And if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to the New Testament book of Matthew. So that's Matthew, the end of chapter 3, beginning chapter 4. And then we're going to print the words up here in a moment so you, as we read together from that. Once again, my name is Joe Crummy, uh, one of the elders here of Christ Central Church. I'm going to be speaking this morning. And just by way of a quick review for those who are new with us, and great to see so many uh, guests here with us. Uh, we've been going through a series in the book of Matthew, and uh, we just had Dave and Rosie Fellingham with us the last couple of weeks that Leah referred to, and the great teaching on things such as worship and things about how to pray and things about healing. And so again, we encourage you to be able to go through those messages again on the website. And as Leah said, you can uh, contact the office if you need a password for a couple of those teachings. And this morning, we just want to remember uh, Gary, one of our other elders, and Sebastian from our church are in a little church in Montreal this morning. They've been there this weekend helping a church uh, there, so we're grateful for them, which is very encouraging, and we were able to pray for them last Sunday night. And this morning, we're going to pick things up again in Matthew chapter 4 and taking a look at how Jesus has come and that Jesus has come as king, and we're just sort of seeing the early days of Jesus' ministry, and we're going to pick things up. Uh, here at the end of chapter 3, and Gary spoke a couple weeks ago about the baptism of Jesus. That's where we're going to pick it up because that leads us right into chapter 4. So let's read our scripture together. This is going back regarding Jesus and John the Baptist. And it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John, that's John the Baptist, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Let me read it up here. And you, And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, hey, behold, (laughs) there might be another voice from heaven via someone's phone. That's all right. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom... I am well pleased. So what an incredible thing, as Gary talked about a couple weeks ago. And then verse 1 of chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Isn't that interesting? Satan quoting scripture. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So let's just pray. Let's ask for God's help as we want to study and apply his words. So Father in heaven, again, we thank you today for your presence here. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you now for your written word. 
And we ask you, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you teach? You be our teacher here this morning. Would you speak through me to equip us and to encourage us and to give us strength and to make us more uh, aware of your purposes and plans for our lives and more obedient to Jesus? We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so we've got a big topic this morning as we're talking about temptation and this whole incredible encounter that we read about Jesus early in the early days. And I just want to just kind of go by a quick introduction before we kind of get into some of the different things. And I guess one of the first questions we ask overall is why does God allow temptation? Why does God allow temptation? And we see with Jesus who it's great and when we want to learn things, we look and say, how, how did Jesus deal with things? How did God treat Jesus when he was physically here on the earth? And the thing we see is that God allowed Jesus to be tempted. So in God's wisdom and God's sovereignty, and Dave taught a lot about these things over the last couple of weeks, and God's big picture of his purposes and plans, he didn't tempt Jesus, but he allowed Satan to be able to tempt Jesus. So we just see that temptation, and the book of James says a lot of the temptation comes from our own flesh, but sometimes we are tempted by Satan or his associates directly. And Jesus was directly tempted by Satan. And we read that, and it's pretty clear, that actually Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. So not only did God allow it, God, in a sense, led Jesus full force right into what was coming. And we see many times in the Bible, and this is Jesus example, and we see many other times in the Bible, and we see even in the world today and in our own Christian lives, that sometimes we can have a, a great experience with God. So Jesus was just baptized, and he just received the Father's blessing, okay? Like incredible, incredible thing. When you talk about a spiritual high, how would you like at your baptism, the heavens to open, God to speak, dove coming down like the Holy Spirit, and it's just like, wow, that's incredible. And first thing that happens, that whole identity of being the son of God, my beloved son, all those things that happen right away get tested. And we can see time and time again in our own lives throughout Christian history, you can have an incredible experience with God. So maybe for the first time you became a Christian for the first time, you realize God's love for you, what Jesus did on the cross, that you can be born again, born of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've received a word from God, some incredible experience that you're on a high with God, and as with Jesus, it gets tested right away. Because this word temptation, this word tempted, okay, it's the same word for being tested. And many times, God allows us to be tested because it's an opportunity for our growth. That gives us a big perspective on what God allows and that God wants us to grow in him. And one of the biggest things, and it was all through our worship this morning, that God wants us to grow in is this. He wants us to grow in our trusting of him. So Jesus just received, you're my son, the Holy Spirit's anointed him. Okay, so he's got his identity. I'm a beloved son. I'm affirmed. I'm accepted. All those incredible things that we all long for. God has said that to Jesus. He received the Holy Spirit. He's a now anointed He's got power, he's got a purpose and a mission, and it gets tested right away. But that's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity to trust my Father in what he has said. Okay? So we have to realize that Jesus was tempted, he's allowed, but it builds spiritual muscle in us. 
we are able, as God allows things to happen to us, to grow in our trust, in our walk with God. And we see this example in the Old Testament. And it's amazing how Jesus quoted okay, the three times in the book of Deuteronomy. In the Old Testament, the Israelites, the people of God, this is what happened to them. You remember Moses brought the people out of slavery, out of Egypt. Incredible signs and wonders. They had all the, the Red Sea opened. I mean, it was incredible. Pillar of fire, cloud, everything you can imagine. What a spiritual high that is, that, that manifest presence of God. And we read this. This is what God did in Deuteronomy 8. And see if you pick up a, a familiar passage in here. Moses said to the people, this is Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says, the whole commandment that I command you today, and you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that Lord God has led you these 40, isn't that an interesting number, 40 years in the wilderness, wilderness, if you can pick up some connections here, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out in you. Your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you will keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing into a good land. Old Testament, that's what God did with his people. New Testament, that's what God did with Jesus. And we're going to pick up next week sort of the start of the public ministry of Jesus. It's incredible. But look what came first. God spoke to him, and God worked on what went on in private, on those character issues before Jesus ever went public in doing things for the kingdom of God. So Old Testament, God tested his people. He wanted to know what was in their heart and their character because he was bringing them into a promised land, something that was very public. But he wanted to test the private, the character, the heart issues. What are your motivations? All those things. And he does that with Jesus, his son, as well. Before we get into all the incredible healings and deliverances and preaching and teaching and demonstration of the kingdom of God, in the wilderness alone, Jesus is tested. So folks, that's going to happen to us. Okay? Individually, sometimes you're going to get things from God. Maybe you're going to get a prophetic word from God. And you're like, man, this is so exciting. Okay? God wants to test your heart. He wants to build character in you. Okay? I think he does that for us as a church. Sometimes we receive promises from God, words from God. He wants to test us to see what's in our heart, what's our real motivation. Okay? He, wants to, he wants what happens in the private to affect the public. Okay? So we see that, and we always see that whenever God speaks something and the mission that Jesus had to go all the way to the cross, Okay? So reconcile man to God is always going to be tested. It is a battle. And the more we realize that, and that's the awareness that we live in, that's the spiritual reality we live in. And that takes us to our other point just of this introduction. That we have a real enemy. And I don't know how many times we try to explain this to people. Okay? People believe it in Star Wars. There's a good force. There's an evil force. There's good. There's Darth Vader, okay? People get it. 
You can get it in all the movies. It's always there. Good versus evil. But in North America and the world we live in, okay, we think of the devil as superstitious. We laugh him off. He's just the little guy with the pitchfork and all those different things. And we're totally blinded to realize as Jesus faced. And the word tempter here, it's, it's like personified. It's a person. Okay? It's not just a mystical force. There's a real devil. And as Dave taught about, I encourage you to go back through those teachings from a week ago Saturday. Okay? That he's a slanderer and accuser. Okay? He hates God. And Jesus said he wants to rob, kill, and destroy. And Jesus faced the devil. We might not face the devil. We might face some of his associates, but the same things apply. That we have to realize we are in a battle. We've got to wake up to that reality. And as we talk about a lot, we've got to battle a lot of our own things. Okay? We have appetites for things. We have desires. And a lot of those things are neutral things. But if they take control of us, okay, then we're not in control and God's not in control. Then we battle those. But we also battle a real devil that wants to distract us and take us away from God, knowing him and God's purposes and plans. So this is important teaching today because it's a reality that if Jesus had to go through this, then us who want to be followers of Jesus are going to probably face a lot of the same things. We can learn a lot from Jesus. We realize that God allows temptation. It's an opportunity for us to trust God even more. We, ought, we realize that God wants to test our character and he wants to build those things. And I just appreciate it, Andy, having the courage to come and sing that song. That just resonated, right? We want to be that tree planted by those streams of living water. We want our roots to go down deep. We want to bear fruit in every season. That's our heart. And God allows things to come and to test that, to see if our roots will go deep. And we realize that we are in a real battle because Satan never stops testing us okay he wants to rob kill and destroy so we have to wake up to that reality and i believe some of you here this morning maybe you don't know jesus that might just be enough to get your attention right now sometimes you got to believe in a devil first before you get to believe that there's a god okay and that gets your attention to realize okay there's someone after you who wants to rob kill and destroy okay let's take a look at jesus what can we see from the temptation of Jesus. We see that Jesus is tested. We love that word, that Jesus is tested. Three times Jesus is tested. He's tempted. And these temptations, we have to make sure we're clear on this thing. On these ones for Jesus, they're very specific to him being the Messiah, that he is the king, the savior. So some of these are very specific just to who he is. But we can learn a lot because in many of the same ways, we get tested and challenged as well. And let's take a look at some of them today. First one is identity. Satan went after Jesus' identity. So as we said before, Jesus at his baptism, God the Father speaks, my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So Jesus gets his identity, his purpose, his security, his confidence, his acceptance, his affirmation. Where? From God, his Father. So I think we should probably do the same as well. And one of the biggest battles that we battle, every single one of us, I don't care who you are, if we're honest with each other, we battle with our identity. Who am I? What's my purpose? Most of us battle with, I don't like being who I am. Okay? And we've got billions of dollars in advertising working to get us to change who we are. 
Okay? And where do we get affirmed? Where do we get comfort? Where do we get that whole sense of belonging? Where do we get that sense of security? All those things are wrapped up into our identity. And God said to Jesus, you're my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. First thing that gets tested is this. If you are God's son. So there's two ways, really, that Satan wants to come at our identity. One is doubt. Okay? He wants us to doubt who we are. And that's the first thing he does with Jesus. He wants us to have that seed of doubt. So many times, okay, God will say to us, we read in God's word, this is who you are. This is what the Bible says about you. Okay? First of all, you are made in the image of God, male and female. Okay, that's a good starting point. We're made in the image of God. So part of we have to realize, man, if we get to know God, then we understand more about ourselves because we're made in the image of God, male and female. Okay, so there's no sexism in this. We're both made in the image of God. And then we realize, hey, because of sin, there's things that are broken and we need to be restored to God. And we realize that we're in need of a savior. And because God loved us so much, he sent a hero Jesus Christ to rescue us when we couldn't rescue ourselves. And then if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, then we get a new identity. And God says all these incredible things about us. We are now in Christ. So what was said to Jesus, God now says to us. So he says, Andrew, my beloved son. Woo! That is great news. So even if you never had a dad, or maybe your dad abused you, or maybe your dad was absent, and you're longing, I don't care if you're male or female, there's something in you that wants affirmation from your father. Even if you didn't have it, God the Father is your heavenly father, and he says to you, you're my son. And Satan will come along and want to bring doubt to that. And he'll say things, if you're God's son, okay, then why did you think that, or why did you do that? If you were really a Christian, why did you do this. And you start thinking, oh man, yeah, maybe if I, if I wasn't, maybe I'm not really. And he begins to put those seeds of doubt, to cast doubt on your identity. Okay? It's textbook, folks. It's textbook. I'm sure we can all think of examples. Okay? If you're not a Christian here this morning, maybe you can say, so. Satan does it in different ways. Okay? He's going to cast doubt on, you know, God would never love you. And he'll try to put doubt in that God would even want to have a relationship with you. Okay? So doubt is a big thing. To Jesus, he said it a couple of times, if you are the son of God. So his identity gets attacked. Now Satan's really intelligent. And Jesus kind of passed that first one. So guess what the second one is about your identity? Okay? It's pride. So if Satan can't get you to doubt your identity... And you're like, no, I'm secure in Christ. I know that God loves me. I know that I'm his son. I'm his child. I know that I'm bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I know he's put his spirit within me. And we're rock solid in this. Then he'll come out the other way. He'll appeal to your pride. If you are the son of God, and he says to Jesus, then surely you must have power to do whatever you want. (laughs) All of a sudden, he comes out a different way. So Jesus, if you're the son of God, okay, you're the son of God, then you must have power. Then you can say, Come, turn these stones into bread. Feed yourself. Let it all be about you and not about the Father. And how many times as Christians are like, wow, God's given me the Holy Spirit. God's given me spiritual gifts. I have the gift of prophecy. Wow. 
and I can use this now so it's all about me instead of being obedient to the Father. So we go from one extreme, doubt, am I really, you know, does God really love me? I don't know if God loves me, and I don't know, oh man, I'm just too like, man, our motivation is for selfish gain. And Satan tempted Jesus to look out for yourself instead of trusting God. So Satan does it both ways, doesn't he? And Jesus was tempted to misuse his power for selfish gain and not the Father's will. So we just have to be aware of these things. We have to be aware of doubt. And I'm not saying all doubt is evil, okay? Because sometimes, hey, we're working through stuff and you know what? We've got to have faith as a mustard seed. Okay, that's not what I'm, I'm coming at. You being accused and attacked and slandered plant seeds of doubt on something you know is true from the word of God. And then he tempts us to be prideful. That hey, if you have this gift or if this is who God's made you to be, sometimes it's our own natural talent and things like that, that we use it for selfish gain and not for the purposes of God. Jesus had to face those temptations. Jesus also had to face this temptation and this testing of truth. Well, let me just go back. Oh, man, I forgot one incredible thing about that last one. Sorry. Let's not go there yet. Okay, Jesus, if you remember, I'm so glad Jesus passed this test. Okay, back up to the identity one. I'm so glad Jesus passed this test. Because you know what? We read at the end of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 40, is that Jesus went the hard road and the narrow road, and he went to the cross, and Jesus was perfect, and he never sinned, even though he was tempted. So there's a difference between temptation and sin he went to the cross to carry our burden okay so all the wrongs that we have done jesus took upon him and he became sin the bible says and all the wrongs done to us jesus took all our pain and hurt upon us as well and he took it to the cross and when he was nailed on the cross do you remember what was taunted to him the exact same phrase from those around him. When he was on the cross, you can read it, Matthew 27, 40. We read this. Hey, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, save yourself. The exact same beginning. If you are the Son of God. And we all know, man, Jesus could have called like legions of angels to come and like obliterate everybody. And he could have got down off that cross. He could have saved himself. And he was tempted, again, to use his power for himself and not for the purposes of his father and i'm so glad that jesus didn't give in to that and that he followed the father's will and he stayed on that cross when he could have saved himself so folks there's an important principle in that you don't know what test or temptation that you're having right now that god wants you to have victory over because you don't know what's coming down the road where you're going to be even tested in a greater maybe way and so we want to get some small victories under our belt so that we are ready for when we're tempted, maybe in a different way. Okay, Jesus is also, he's tempted in his identity, which we are as well. Jesus is also tempted in this way, in truth. And Satan, I mean, it's unbelievable. Satan actually quotes Psalm 91, okay? Now, if you're ever in danger, okay, and you want a scripture that you're like, man, I just can't think of anything right now, just remember this, okay? That's a good one you learn. Psalm, okay, 91.1. So 911, you can remember that? That's a little hint for you, okay? I can't remember very much, so I need all the helpful hints I can get. 
You read Psalm 91. Okay, it just talks about how God's going to protect you and keep you, and if you put your trust in him, everything. Satan quotes that psalm. That is like unbelievable to me. I, I find that really hard to believe. And Satan wants to take, and here's what Satan did. He wants to take God's word, and he wants to really confuse us and deceive us so that we misapply the word of God. That's another, that's another lesson for us. He took what was God's word, and Psalm 91 is all about this. If you put your trust in God, God's going to provide for you. And that's what Jesus was doing. I'm putting my trust in God. Okay, I fast it and all these things. I'm being obedient to God. And Satan comes along and he tries to get Jesus to do something that looks like it's okay, but is actually disobedient to God. And he, mis- and he twists and he misapplies the word of God. And we can learn a lot from how Jesus handles the word of God. Jesus has a big view of the word of God. He has word from Genesis all the way through, even though Revelation wasn't written yet, all the way to the end. And folks, so many times in Christianity and even in the world, people will take one verse or people will take one little thing and they'll make a whole life around one verse that can get misapplied and misinterpreted and they miss out on the whole of Scripture. And that's a warning to us as well. We have to correctly handle the Word of God. We've got to look at the whole Bible when we're looking at the Word of God. And Jesus knew God is not to be tested. That's all the way through the Word of God. And that trumps one little verse getting twisted. And so that's an encouragement to us, folks, to correctly handle. We've got to know the Word of God so that when we get one verse maybe thrown at us or we're reading, even on our own sometimes, even we can get misguided, even with good intention. We have to correctly handle the Word of God. It's a battle for truth. And if we're in a world that there's a battle for truth, it's in our day and in our time. The second, third thing Jesus was tempted about was worship. And we spent a lot of time talking about worship. And Dave just did some incredible teaching on worship, how there's different words for worship. One is to bow down, it's to kiss, it's an intimate, it's a reverence, it's a submission to God. There's a whole other aspect of worship being a whole lifestyle. That's everything that we say and that we do. And here, Jesus is tempted in his identity. Jesus is tempted about truth. And Jesus is now tempted about who are you going to worship? Who are you going to obey? And a lot of times worship, and a lot of times we can think, man, I don't worship anything. Man, you guys are crazy here today. I don't know what just happened in that first 45 minutes, but something happened, but I'm not quite sure. That was crazy. What are you guys worshiping? Folks, we all worship something. You just got to look at your lives and say, where do you put Okay, your time, your energy, your money, what motivates you, what are you passionate about, what really stirs you. Okay, those are all things that are words that are used to talk about how we worship something. So, so I mean, the list is endless, isn't it? Okay, you can worship your job. Okay, you can worship your family. You can worship money. You can worship sex. How many people, man, I've heard it this week, I can't survive because there's no hockey on TV. It's like, what are you talking about? It's crazy. They're suffering from withdrawal. It's like, well, I know what you worship then. As soon as it's taken away, you can't function. You've got to come at it. You've got to ask yourself different questions about worship because we can think, I don't worship anything. If 
But if you ask the right questions, then you begin to realize we all worship something. And Jesus was tempted to not trust God and to get what God had promised through worshiping God. But Satan promised this. And we have the phrase all the time, okay? We make a deal with the devil, okay? And we compromise. And Satan promises this. If you'll do it my way, I promise you pleasure and fortune and fame. Okay? Satan makes these promises. So Jesus, all this belongs to me. And if you worship me, it's all yours. When we know that actually if Jesus obeyed God, guess what? All that was going to be his. That Jesus is king. He's coming to redeem and to restore and to bring back and to bring everything back into alignment to God the Father. And he knew one day all that is going to be his. But Satan said this, Jesus, for you to do that, you've got to go through the whole thing of suffering and going to the cross. I'll give you a shortcut. You can avoid all of that and I'll give this all to you if you worship me. And We have the same temptations today. If I cheat on this, if I take a shortcut here, if I compromise here, I will get these things. I will get power and pleasure and fame, and I don't have to go through all the things that maybe I need to go through to get those things. And we're tempted the same way today. Yeah, you can be in school, and you will be tempted so much to cheat and to do all these things, take shortcuts, not put in the hard work, and you'll still get the best mark. You'll be cheated sexually you'll be tempted okay you don't have to give love you don't have to put in sacrifice and commitment you don't have to do all that thing if you just do this you're going to get instant gratification and you're going to be tempted to follow that and you're going to i want the reward without the commitment and the sacrifice that goes with it and we're going to end up worshiping not god and saying god i worship you and as angel led us this morning i bless you at all times i trust you even though I don't understand what's going on, I confess that I trust you and I believe good's going to come out of it. And even if I don't see it now, I'm not going to take shortcuts. I'm not going to bail out. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to trust you, even though I don't know what the outcome might be. And I realize that this outcome looks really good if I take a shortcut. We face the same temptations today. And Jesus, yes, he was king of kings, but he was also the suffering servant. And he had to get through the suffering servant to become really king of kings. And in our Christian walk, yes, we're going to have victory and there's going to be great things. We've got a great future ahead of us. But folks, there's many trials and tribulations and sufferings and things that we have to go through that God's going to allow that are going to bring glory to him, that are going to test us, that we have to go through, that we're going to be challenged and tested and tempted to compromise and to make a deal with the devil just to get the end result. We have to realize we have an enemy who is a deceiver, who lies, who wants to kill you. And he wants to take away worship from God. Because really worship, most of it is saying, I trust Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And the good news is this. We wind things down. The good news is this. In this story, real life, we see that Jesus is overcome. And because Jesus overcame, we can overcome as well. And we see this, that Jesus has won. Hallelujah. And folks, this morning, I want you to understand that Jesus just isn't our example. He is. Okay, this goes beyond more than just an example. 
Because you can look at someone else's life and say, oh, there is such a great example. Jesus is our example, absolutely, but he's more than just a good example. You can pick all kinds of people in history and say, well, that's a good example. I'm going to follow them. Jesus is more than an example. Jesus is the victor. He is the one who has defeated Satan. He is the one who's defeated death, and he's defeated the power of sin, and he's defeated all these things because he overcame. And we see how Jesus is different. We had our, okay, I'm trying not to, it's hard to use sometimes biblical terms that you'll understand, okay? In the Bible, it talks about Adam as in Adam and Eve, okay? Our original humanity parents, the original Adam and Eve in the garden, okay? Adam was in paradise. He was in the garden. Jesus was in the wilderness. Adam got tempted in all the same things. His identity got tempted, didn't it? If you read Genesis chapter 3, the Satan devil came to Adam, okay, our forefather, and said the same thing. If God really said this, okay, and if you do this, then you'll become like God. Identity. Identity. Guess what? Adam was made in the image of God. He was already like God. So his identity was attacked. Okay, truth was attacked. Did God really say? Okay, and worship was attacked. Who are you going to trust? And he's saying, God's holding out on you. God said, one tree, okay? Guys, it's like you've got like a house load of food. And God says, like, don't drink the one Coke in the refrigerator, okay? You got everything else. And Satan, truth, identity, worship. God's holding out on you. If you eat the fruit, then you'll become like God. You'll know everything. God's holding out on you. Isn't that sound like a trust issue? Don't trust God. And Adam failed. And he gave in, okay? And the consequences we still face today. That sin entered the human race, okay? And we're born rebellious people. We're born rebellious against God. But Jesus came, as the Bible says, the second Adam, if you can follow me on that. He came as the second Adam. And Jesus faced all the same temptations, but he didn't give in. So we face the consequences of our first Adam back in Genesis chapter 3. But if we place ourselves in Christ, the second Adam, we get all the blessings of Jesus' obedience. Can you follow me on that? So when we say words like, as Christians, we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're saying we're putting in Jesus our hope, all our confidence. And when we do that, we confess with our mouth, Jesus, Lord, we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead. We celebrate at Easter. All the benefits of Jesus come to us. It's a bit like this, folks, okay? It's a bit like so many people from other parts of the world want to come to Canada and they want to become a Canadian citizen because if you become a Canadian citizen, guess what? You get all the benefits that come with citizenship. But if you're not a citizen, you don't get them. But as soon as you become a citizen and it's a legal thing, then guess what? You're a Canadian, you get all the benefits that come with it. So you get health care. You get all the different things. You get protection. Why? Because you're Canadian. And when you become a Christian, you get all the things of Jesus. Why? Because you're a Christ follower. You're now in his kingdom. 
So Jesus conquered. Okay? When he died on the cross, okay, he took all those things, like I said earlier, all the wrongs we have done, all the wrongs done to us, he took them to the cross. He was our great substitute. I got that up there. He took our place. Okay? And Satan thought he won. Thought, hey, I killed the Son of God. I won. But God raised Jesus up from the dead. And that's why the resurrection is so important. As we celebrate that we serve a risen Savior. Okay? And he conquered our enemy. And more and more, the kingdom of God and the citizenship of heaven is coming forward and growing. And Satan's territory and grip on planet Earth is becoming less and less. So Jesus is our substitute. And when we put our faith in him, okay, those things that we can feel, man, I'm just tempted, I can't overcome, I, can't, I give in to every time. Well, we need assistance from the outside. We need a new heart. We need new power. We need victory that we can't get ourselves. And that only comes from Jesus Christ. So not only is our example, which I think hopefully you've gotten that thing, he's our substitute. And once we're in Christ, he gives us a few weapons. The Bible says he gives us the sword of the spirit. My guys love this, eh? Ephesians 6, they got their lightsabers, man. Sword of the spirit, man. It's the word of God. And Jesus said, how did he answer temptation? It is written. Now this is good motivation to get the word of God into you. And it changes your attitude. Oh man, I gotta read the word of God all the Bible. I don't understand. I don't like it. Uh, to like, man, the word of God is living and active and it's powerful. And if Jesus said, it is written, and he quoted Deuteronomy. You don't even have to start in Deuteronomy, although it's really good. Okay, we can't even spell Deuteronomy, all right? That's where Jesus started. Can you imagine him going through three times? It is written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Every word comes from the mouth of God. Folks, we need the word of God. It's living. It's, it's powerful. Okay? It's ammunition. And when we're tempted, we can say, no, it is written. So you need to. If you, if you struggle with your identity, you need to find some good word of God. You need to find Ephesians chapter 1. Hey, you need to find 1 Peter chapter 1. You've got to find some scriptures that you got memorized that at any time you can say, no, it is written. And then you just let them fly. Okay? And if you're tempted, you've got to remember, okay, here's a good one for you to learn this week, okay? 1 Corinthians 10.13. Okay? No temptation has seized me except that which is common to man, and God is faithful. You need to learn some of these. Okay? No temptation has seized me except that which is common to man. Man, I can, God is faithful. Okay? He won't let me be tempted beyond what I can bear, and he'll provide a way out for me. Okay? Just paraphrasing. That's the Joe Crummy paraphrase. Okay? I'm tempted. Jesus was tempted. Okay, that's normal. It's not sin yet when you're tempted. Okay? God is faithful. Okay? He won't let me be tempted beyond what I can bear, because God is in control, not Satan. So he's allowing it, but he won't take me out. Okay? And God's going to provide a way out. So I've got to look for that door to get out. And our part is, when we see the door, you run. But it's the Word of God. It is written. And we've got to have just, it should be streaming out of us. It is written. No, God said this. Okay? And we correctly handle the Word of God. The other thing, the last one is this. 
Not only has he given us the word of God, okay? The author of the word of God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us as followers of Christ. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, okay? I'm going to come. I'm going to put my spirit within you. So, folks, this is a supernatural faith. It's not just a philosophy. It's not just head knowledge. It's supernatural. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, his spirit comes to live within you. You've got a new power source that you didn't have before. And he's the spirit of truth. He's going to guide you into all truth. So you're like, man, how do I don't understand the Bible. You need a helper. Well, God provides one. He, pr- he provides a free tutor, the Holy Spirit, bought by Jesus Christ. And he's going to teach you. And he's going to lead you into all truth. And he's going to remind you of the things of Jesus. So as you read your word, as you get that in you, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of the teachings of Jesus. He's going to remind you of the word of God. And he's going to remind you who you are. Because the Bible says this, okay? He's the spirit of truth. I'm trying to teach my guys this week, okay? We were talking about Halloween and trying to understand right from wrong and all these things. And man, sometimes you can make really like very clear judgments without explaining why we're saying what we're saying. And I was trying to teach my guys this week. It helps. Anna's not quite there yet, but it helps my guys because I, I try to use either Star Wars or sports analogies they get, okay? And I was trying to say, guys, you know what? This summer, okay, you're learning baseball, okay? And as a batter, what are you trying to learn? You're trying to learn what's a ball and what's a strike. And how do you learn? Okay, well, it takes practice, doesn't it? And you have to, someone has to teach you. Here's the strike zone. If it's below above here, don't swing. If it's below here, don't swing. If it's outside of the plate and you've got a plate, so you've got a grid, so you've got to line up, so you've got to know where you are. And then you've got an umpire behind you that's calling the balls and strikes. And you've got all those things. You know what? Home plate's like the word of God. You've got to line up. Because you know what? Home plate's here, and they're, and they're way over here. They can't even. No, I've got to line up. That's my. It never changes, does it? It's always there. That's my focal point. And so I've got to line myself up with the word of God. I've got to line myself up with home plate. And I've got to learn that I've got an umpire in me, the Holy Spirit, who teaches me, Joe, don't do that, man. Don't go to that place. Okay? Other people might be able to go. I don't want you to go. Other kids might do this, guys, but we don't do this. Other kids might say this, but you don't say that. Other kids might not say this, but I want you to say it. It takes it from just rules to lifestyle that the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, you, you stick up for this kid, okay? And everyone else might be making fun of them, and the Holy Spirit's going to empower you not to make fun of them and to actually help them by saying an encouraging word. That's the Holy Spirit in you. He's like an umpire. He's the spirit of truth. And that takes it from just trying to remember, okay, what was rule number 10 again? To the Holy Spirit's with you wherever you go. And sometimes you might not have your Bible with you. You might not even remember, but say, Holy Spirit, I really need you to guide me right now. The Holy Spirit also does this. He reminds us of who we are. Okay? So before we become a son of God, the Holy Spirit's the one who draws us and says, you know what? Joe, he said to me, you're in need of a savior. There's a puzzle piece missing. <laughs> okay? And I'm from the late 80s. Okay? And there's a band that used to sing this song. There's a hole in my heart that can only be filled by you. Okay? Right around 1990, okay? And everyone thought, oh, what a great love song this guy's singing about his girlfriend. There's a hole in my heart that can only be filled by you. It's such a... He's a Christian. He's singing. 
There's a hole in my heart that can only be filled by you. He was singing about God. Okay? The Holy Spirit draws you to realize. Okay? And guys, okay, women, you know what? Sometimes I think you have it better off, honestly. Because you're such you're so most of you are so much more sensitive to things. And guys, we are just sometimes bricks. Okay? I'm serious. Okay? I was with my hockey buddies this week, and I'm just going like, we are such bricks, man. Because we're not sensitive. And we can't even realize sometimes God's drawing us. And even as a tough guy, not me, but I'm talking about my friends. <laughs> Y'all know I'm not much of a tough guy. <laughs> just realize, man, if they can only realize that God's drawn, there's still a hole in our heart that can only be filled by God. And it sounds so romantic and all that. It's not what I'm talking about. It's like, guys... We're missing it, okay, when we miss out on what God has in store for us in following him. And the Holy Spirit draws us, and then once we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit says he pours the love of the Father into our hearts. He's the spirit of adoption, okay? He guarantees what's coming. There's a foretaste to come. He reminds us who we are in Christ. And he gives out gifts. We just experienced this this morning, okay? I know, I know it's awkward, and sometimes it's weird in the middle of worship, and Aaron has a tongue, and I mean, it's just kind of like, oh, man, like, what is that? And then Joel comes through with that interpretation, and I'm just like, Father, forgive me again. I'm sorry. Yes, it's awkward and all that, but I'm glad we got through that to get to Joel. I'm just being totally honest with you. And Joel just crying out that prayer, that praise to God. Hey, God, just make me like you. Okay, and Andy, come forth. I think I got a song. Here we go, okay? And then I just want to be like a tree, plant it, okay? That's actually very biblical, isn't it? What's Jeremiah 17, Psalm 1? I want to be a tree, planted by the streams. I want my roots to go down deep. That's the word of God coming out. And I'm so encouraged by that, okay? And I can get through all the embarrassment of it being a bit out of the box because that builds me up. That gives me strength. That gives me confidence. That gives me encouragement. Okay, I'm going to ride on that all week. Okay, I'm going to have that tune in my head all week. And God gives us gifts. And isn't that about worship? Because worship is saying, as we start at the meeting this morning, worship's really saying, I trust God. Okay, I'm putting all, everything in God. And you realize there's such a battle now to take you away from God and to doubt and to not to trust God, and to get distracted. This morning, I... just plead with you to realize there's a battle going on for your lives. Okay? And if you don't consider yourself a Christian this morning, okay, can you please know this? God's drawing you. That you have an enemy that wants to rob, kill, and destroy. But we have a great Savior. We have a great hero. Okay? He wants to rescue us. And there's no shame in saying, I need to be rescued. It's a spiritual thing that we can't do. There's no shame in saying, I know there's a hole in my heart, okay? And I've been trying to fit it with all kinds of other things, okay? And it doesn't work. It actually makes it even worse. Well, Jesus wants to fill your life with his spirit today. He wants to reconnect you to your Father in heaven. Okay, if you're a Christian here this morning, Maybe you just need to wake up and realize, wow, okay, 
there's a reality here that I gotta I gotta have my head in the game here, my heart in the game to realize what's coming at me, so I can, by the word of God and by Jesus and by the Spirit of Truth, I can know what's right and what's wrong, and I can make godly decisions, and I can say I don't know quite how I'm gonna do it. Because at the end of the day, and we'll end on this, all the things Satan promised and all of that to Jesus, that Jesus didn't compromise and he followed God. Guess what happened at the end? They were all met, weren't they? He went through it. He obeyed God. What did Jesus have? He had angels come and minister to him. So he got fed. He didn't have to be selfish. Okay? He was taken care of. God provided. And we have to trust God. that We don't quite know always how he's going to do it. Okay? Jesus, I don't know if he knew angels were going to come and to minister to him. So the challenge this morning is, what are you going to do with trusting God? What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? What are you going to do with the devil? Okay. Because there's no, really no neutral ground. Okay. You're either following one or you're following the other. So let me just pray and let me just ask God by the power of his Holy Spirit to draw us to follow and be worshipers of Jesus Christ. Okay, Father in heaven, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. That does speak to us. It divides bone and marrow. It divides soul, spirit. I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, would you come? and Would you draw people now to Jesus Christ? Would they be able to have a revelation, maybe like never before, that he is king and savior, that he has defeated the evil one, and that because he lives today, we can live as we put our faith and our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for people to be born again today, born of your spirit, Okay? Never to be wholehearted again. And God, I pray for those who are following you. God, who are being maybe tempted or tested. God, I pray that they would draw from what you provided. Our Lord and Savior, our hero, our elder brother, Jesus Christ. And I pray that this week, the word of God would be living and active. That we could say, it is written. And I pray for your Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. To remind us of who we are in Christ. To remind us of all that you've done for us, all that you have for us. And that, Holy Spirit, you would assist us to worship and to trust our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask in his mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, I know our time's going, but I think let's just sing one final song together just to really cement in. We get to confess with our mouth, okay? And then we'll go get our kids